host, Sarah Kanata, and welcome once again to the Twitter Right podcast. Now, there would be no Twitter Right at all without the one and only global Twitter marketing specialist, Keith Keller. Keith, welcome. Hey, how you doing? We're on to part four. We're rocking. We have got more stories. You've got some more goodies and even more wonderful news. I mean, I just can't believe the stuff that's happening in between these calls. I mean, we're doing a very specific format here whereby which you have a bit of a chat about your last two or three weeks, you decode and how you did it, and then we go off and do other cool things. And so let me just recap on what's happened in the last two or three weeks since we've chatted. One, you've been interviewed in the UAE. You have been interviewed in the UAE by a very good friend of mine who has a podcast called The Learning Curve, really cool person in Abu Dhabi. You have actually achieved a 2,000% increase in followers in 60 days. Now, let's play that out. This is very important. On the 21st of June, sorry, the 21st of April, you had 63 followers. If you look at your account today, at Canada AU, C-A-N-N-A-T-A-A-U, you have 1,295 followers in 60 it's days. Incredible. 2,000% increase. Now, were you expecting this when we started this little project? Because I certainly no, was not. No. The best result I've personally been able to achieve on these in this type of environment is what I call a 60% follow back. So a particular account called Tweet Teach 101, which is a functioning Twitter account I use for exactly this model, has, has got 1,200 followers based on following 1,998 people. About 60% of people have followed that account back based on the strategies that I teach. You have excelled that in half the time with twice as many cool people. I want to tell the world this. You've been retweeted in Peru, Israel, New York, New Zealand, Canada, Australia, UK, the US, and probably on the moon. I mean, you are rock and you are rock. If they had Twitter on the moon, they would have heard it. Oh, look, it's very exciting. I mean, obviously, any writer out there, what they want the most is for their work to be read. Now, for you to tell me that people in so many countries, basically all over the world, are actually reading my content, the ideas that I'm putting out there about a lot of different things about Twitter, right? about a lot of the things that I write about, gender diversity, a lot of the entrepreneurs that I've written about. It's just, it's a dream come true. I mean, what more can you ask for? I certainly wasn't expecting this when I started working with you. The thing that's amazing is it's like been 60 days. This, this has just taken off like the rocket. And um, there's three things I want to talk about today specifically in this podcast because this is really what's happened in the last two to three weeks. One is I really want to talk about traction, needs interaction. One of the things that Sarah did is she focused on connections and not on the follower number. Those people are engaged. They're chatting to her. They're, they're reading her articles. They're asking her to write articles on their blog. They're being interviewed for her new articles. They're interviewing her for their radio shows. And the other thing I want to talk about, and we're going to play this out probably in a whole chapter of the upcoming ebook, is this idea of around the world in less than 80 days. The idea that you can go global with Twitter in a fraction of the time and a fraction of the cost of virtually any other PR mechanism. I can't think of a single other PR machine on the planet that performs this well. Definitely not. And I mean, because I have worked in the communications PR sector, I've, I've had quite a bit to do with PR, but I've never seen these kind of results at all. I mean, for me, 
it's great getting media coverage within my own country in Australia, but to go global is really the goal. And it's just, it's fascinating how quickly it's all taken off. And I mean, as I said, what I've been doing is following your strategies. So, I mean, I have done the work involved, but the results that I'm getting have been amazing. Mm-hmm. Well, let's, let's play up on this idea of traction needs interaction. What I don't want people to do is to think that Twitter is this magic product where you go, you know, I'm going to set up a Twitter account on Monday and by Friday I'm going to have clients. I'll just set up a Twitter account and post once a day and put up a pretty picture. And then, wow, I've got clients. I didn't do anything. It's not how it works. You've got to interact. You've got to communicate. And I want to, I want to play out and reiterate the, the Twitter magic one, two, three model. Follow first, follow back, follow up. And this is exactly what you've been doing over the last 60 days. Does the traction need interaction model sum up what you've been doing? How have you been doing it? Look, pretty much I've just followed your formula. I've just, you know, I've put aside about an hour realistically every day, 20 minutes following people, 20 minutes checking back who's followed me and connecting with the people that I've wanted to connect with because, I mean, I guess everyone will find this. There's a lot of people who have connected with me who are interested in basically selling me likes. I'm not interested in that. So I don't, you know, realistically bother going back to those people. But anybody who's, say, a writer or an editor of a magazine that I'm really interested in, I will make that extra effort to just direct message them and have a chat to them and see what happens. And then the last 20 minutes is basically me either tweeting. And to be honest with you, I tend to retweet and share other people's quality content more so than my own. But even in doing that, I'm not just retweeting useless information or information that doesn't really resonate with what I do. But I am retweeting, say, Ariana Huffington or the fantastic work that you're doing in terms of World Social Media Day. So the kind of content that I am sharing back, Mm. there's a strategy applied to that as well. And it's working incredibly well. I'm so excited to hear you talking about this. And the reason I love this project is, I mean, I've been doing this a long time. I've been doing this since at least 2010, but I've never had such a diligent, eager student, and I've never had such a wonderful model to recite back. Well, Keith, it's also about you know, the way you've gone about this, you've made it really simple for me. You've broken it down into three really simple parts. Now, if you had made it a lot more complicated, and in my mind, I think that I'm spending five hours on this, I might have immediately closed the door on the Twitter idea. But what you've done is you've broke it down into something that I could understand, something that was manageable, and then something that basically I've taken and been able to learn a little bit on my own in terms of my own strategy as well. So like, you know, there's certain people who I really like, like Ariana Huffington, and I love the work that she does. And then after a little while, I thought, well, I wonder who's following Ariana Huffington. And then when I went through her followers list, I found a lot of people who tend to, you know, write and communicate in the same space that I'm interested in. So then I've gone into them and had a more more of a look at what they do. So basically, you've given me something that is structured, but then I've also taken that structure and made it work for me on another level. You've made it really simple. You alluded to something, and let's play this out. A new strategy that I'm trying in my coaching career is that I I love Skype. I love Skyping in. International Social Media Day, which is the 30th of June, 2015, so it'll almost certainly date this by the time you listen to this podcast. It's next Tuesday here. So... 
I'm actually, there's an event happening basically everywhere in the world on that day. There is an event in Melbourne, but someone in New Zealand got to me first and said, Keith, can you Skype in? Can you Skype into this event we're doing in Kaikoura, this really lovely town famous for whales and dolphins on the South Island of New Zealand? Can you Skype in and tell us about this Twitter thing? Now, what's happening, you wrote in Huffington Post blog about this, you were so excited. We reached 2.2 million people around the world telling people about how cool Kaikoura is. Now, this is the, this is the clincher. This town has 3,600 people total. 3,600 people live in this very, very small but cute town, famous for whales and dolphins, and their Twitter account has 360 people. But with a little bit of strategy, we were able to tell 2,200,000 people about Kaikoura and how cool it is to go there for dolphins and whales. And it's very close to uh, Queenstown, which is great for action sports. And it's also where they made The Hobbit. So that's very famous. And so people are starting to go, mate, that's where I'm having my next holiday. Yeah, I mean, it's fascinating. The thing is, it's I think that Twitter is a lot more interacting, interactive than a lot of the other platforms out there. So, I mean, pe- people are also jumping on it, on and off of it, a lot more often than anything else mm. from what I can see. Because, I mean, obviously, here in Australia, Facebook is probably more popular than anything else. But, I mean, I don't think it has the same interactivity levels as Twitter from what I've seen. The other thing is that you, and you mentioned this, I never really thought of it in in these terms. The numbers that I'm quoting are what I call tweet reach, the number of people that your tweets reach. Now, this is a free service. Twitter has some paid functionality, which is awesome too. But at this stage, a lot of what I'm achieving on Twitter with Sarah and my friend Rachel in New Zealand and my friend Adele in Brisbane and uh, all of these other projects that I'm involved with, a lot of this stuff is just basically sweat equity. We're putting in the work and we're reaching masses amount of people around the world for free. Now, this section, the first section, is really all going to be about attraction, needs, interaction. We're going to come back in the second section and pull apart the the reason why focusing on connections is more important than focusing on followers. So, Sarah, do you want to just quickly wrap up and tell people why interaction has been such a fundamental strategy in in getting you those 1,300 followers in 60 days? Look, I don't think it's good enough just to log on and follow people and expect or expect them to follow you first without doing anything. It's like anything in life. It's give and take. Make the effort with them, then follow up with them. And I think in the end, you'll find that 90% of people will come back to you. And then you can start that conversation that leads on to, you know, something that you might have in common or, you know, just generating a conversation. Because at the end of the day, you never know. Who knows someone else? That's brilliant. Now, I'm going to leave it there. We're going to come back and we're going to play a bit of a funky music, which is also the theme for Sarah's solo podcast, which she does now once a week when she has time in amongst her other writing projects. Part two, connections, not followers. We're going to talk about connections and not followers. There's an obsession, an obsession with having lots and lots of followers, just a number to tell your friends at a party. But no one's interacting with them. So what we did was we flipped this whole idea on its head. 
and I've, I've really instructed Sarah to go after quality connections and spend time interacting with them. So this whole this whole idea of why Sarah's strategy is working is based on the idea of connections, not followers. Can you can you elaborate about that? Uh, Sarah, why why this is working why, and, and the quality of the connections you're sure. making? Well, I think it all comes back to who I'm following at the end of the day because I'm, I'm looking into who I'm following so that when they follow back, I know who they are and I can strike up a conversation with them that's very personalized to what they do. And then in turn, so, you know, generally I'm interacting with writers and editors and people in that particular space. And then when they come back and check out what I do, because that's what people do, it's the natural thing. Of course, you know, I'm talking mm -hmm. to them, they're going to have a look and say, who's this Sarah Canada person? And then they see that I'm a professional writer, I'm a Huffington Post contributor. So that gives me authenticity. And then they're more than happy to chat and strike up a conversation. And realistically, mm. that's where the dialogue begins. So it goes beyond just having another follower and having, say, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 followers. It's not just about followers. It's really about connections and, you know, building those relationships that in the long term are going to prove invaluable to whatever else I'm doing. Yeah. And I think in the first section you, you alluded to, and I'm really glad you did this, you alluded to the fact that you felt as a newbie to Twitter that doing it an hour a day was doable that it wasn't so onerous. So can you just explore a little bit about that? If people are thinking, oh, no, I don't want to do this interacting bit. I don't want to have to talk to people. I just want people to buy my stuff. You know, but you're finding it's not that hard and it's actually quite good it's fun. It's not isn't it? hard at all. I mean, and this is the thing. If people are out, out there in the same position as me, maybe they've got a startup company, which means they need to make money. They might be struggling to make money. Any amount of time that they dedicate to other things, such as social media, in their eyes means taking money away from them. You know, in that hour or that two hours, three hours, whatever, they could be writing an article. They could be, you know, networking with people, all that kind of thing. But what I'm saying to mm. people is that hour, you can pretty much work it into your day as you see fit. Now, my days are pretty jam-packed, so I generally do my hour each day late at night because it's my time to basically calm down. It doesn't take much concentration to just go in, check out people, see what they're doing, mm. click a, click the follow button, and then, you know, if you can strike up a conversation, it doesn't actually take much concentration to do that. And then when you break it down into what you're doing, that hour just really flies by. Because really, you're spending 20 minutes following people, and that includes looking into what they actually do. Another 20 minutes, just checking back who's followed you and seeing if there's anyone on that list who, you know, you have something in common with and can strike up a conversation with. And then another 20 minutes sharing and retweeting. And to be honest with you, the sharing and tweeting myself, generally, I tend to do that separately from the other two parts because I actually have quite a long commute and I find it mm. easy to just, you know, retweet and that kind of thing while I'm on the tram because it's basically just clicking a button. So I'm really excited. I'm really, really excited that you mentioned that because the question I was going to ask, and in, in case you want to reiterate what we've just said there, it's 20 minutes to find cool people to follow. 20 minutes to follow back people that have followed you, 
20 minutes to tweet and retweet cool content. That's the basic premise for the one-hour block. But what I'm really interested to hear you say there and, and ask you more about is, do you tend to do that in a block of one hour, or are you finding yourself doing it in 20-minute chunks when you're on the tram or when you're relaxing after uh, dinner or first thing in the morning? Do you tend to block it out, or do you just do it in one whole sort of section? I was definitely not in one section because – the sharing and tweeting, I tend to do in the morning, just when, say, I'm on the tram because I do have a long commute, or even just, you know, if I'm if I have an appointment and I'm waiting somewhere, you know, I like to spend my time wisely. So that 20 minutes is usually spent separate to the other two sections, mm. whereas the other two mm. sections I do tend to do in one chunk, just because I find it easy to do the investigation part of, you know, looking into who I want to follow and then checking back who's followed me because I find that if too much time lapses between the two, sometimes I forget who these people are. So, And a lot of people do tend to actually just follow you back straight away. So sometimes it saves yeah. time just doing that, doing it that way as well. Look, I'm so excited to hear you talking about this because, you know, I work from home, I love what I do and this is my thing and so I'm I'm a bit of a PC laptop junkie. But it sounds to me like you're doing a lot of stuff in the on the fly, in the field, while you're waiting for your latte, while you're waiting for the tram, because I know you spend a lot of time on the tram. So are you are you spending this doing this on your iPhone or your on a on a PC or a laptop or a have you got a tablet or what do you what gadgets do you Just use? generally Generally, I use my laptop or my iPhone. When I'm out and about, okay. it's definitely the iPhone just because it's mobile and I take it everywhere with me. And it's just the nature of what I do. I'm always out and about, whether that means I'm traveling to a meeting or I'm spending the day with a client. I've always got periods here and there where, say, I'm on my lunch break or I'm waiting for a coffee or I'm at an appointment or something like that. I've always got these small chunks of time wow. that, you know, I can either sit there and waste it listening to music or staring out the window aimlessly, or I can be on Twitter and actually, you know, checking out. Isn't it fascinating? I'm so excited that you're saying this. You're actually now beginning very, very, very strategic. You're using Twitter as a business tool. You're making a very strategic decision. Look, I, I'm, my meeting doesn't start for 20 minutes. I'm just going to go and grab a coffee. I could sit here and stare at the sky. Sure. I could walk around the block, get some exercise maybe, or I could spend 10 or 20 minutes maybe having a conversation with a possible client. Or just checking my Twitter feed and, and making a new friend. It's actually a very, very, very good use of your time. It's incredible. Isn't it? And to be honest with you, I've started doing it more the more that I've seen that it's worked. So, I mean, the people that I've been able to connect to, it's just incredible. Kaz Aston, who's based in the UK, I've actually teamed up with her to do a few articles for the Huffington Post, and they've all gone viral. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, these people that I'm talking to, they're people located all around the world. You mentioned earlier Nicola, who's from the UAE. Last week, I recorded a podcast with her about ghostwriting. So that was based, again, just on connecting via Twitter. On the weekend, I connected with a man called Chris Dutton. He's the CEO and founder of the CEO magazine Worldwide. I never would have connected with him without Twitter. So these are the kind of connections that I'm making. Mm. They're not small scale. Mm. They're not me just wasting time or filling in time, I'm actually starting to use Twitter as a business tool. This is so, this is so spectacular because 
the biggest question, the biggest challenge that I hear from all people who use Twitter and all of these social media tools is, where do you find the time? But, but if you're standing at the bank, because you've got to pay a bill, some people still do it that way, or if you've got, you're standing at the ATM and there's a line, or you're waiting for a coffee at Starbucks, or you've got to catch a bus and it takes you 45 minutes, and that is dead time. You know, you could be reading the paper. You could read a book, and there's still value in that. My wife loves reading reading books, real books. But um, a lot of us now are saying, okay, I've got 25 minutes here and there. Why don't I just make a quick connection with Kaz, see what she's doing? Let's see what this guy's doing about SEO. That sounds interesting. Maybe make a new friend. And then, of course, the articles you need to write for Huffington Post, well, they have to be done in a quiet space when your laptop's running and there's no distractions. But the, the actual connection with Kaz was probably done while you're waiting in line at Starbucks. Well, exactly. And I think it's like anything else. You dedicate the time to the things that you choose to. And when you see, I mean, I've, I've had this unique experience of actually following this through and seeing how much it's worked for me, which has only encouraged me to do it more. So if people do give Twitter a chance and have a general idea of what they need to do and what they need before they jump on, so obviously a website, they need their profile to be complete and all that kind of stuff. Once you actually start seeing how it works for you, you will find that one hour a day. I'm guaranteeing you. Mm-hmm. And I think the, the really important thing here is we're talking about connections, not followers. Now, you could look at, if you had the follower mindset, you could look at Sarah and say, oh, she's got only 1,300 followers. She mustn't be going that well. But you have no idea the stories that have come out of this, this interaction in the last two weeks. She's been interviewed in the UAE. She's written three articles on the, for the Huffington Post about me and what we're doing. She's been um, doing work with Kaz Aston. She's interviewed all these really cool people about a, a younger self project, which is coming up very, very shortly. We're teasing you with that one. That's coming up for Back to the Future Day with Claudia Wells, who actually played Marty McFly's girlfriend in Back to the Future 1, a person we met on Twitter, who, and Jimmy Starr has a show on, in Philadelphia with one million listeners, and he's pretty confident he's going to get uh, Sarah to Skype in for that. So all of this stuff is happening in the background. So don't, please, 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 please don't be distracted by the numbers. There are, I think they're a trap. I think I would much prefer you to spend quality time with the people that are going to leverage your position. And win-win. Look for those JVs that will you know, really help each other. Everyone that we're talking about here has got that helper dude consciousness, haven't they? Definitely. And I think realistically this is just networking via social media. It's no different than when if you went to a business networking breakfast or lunch. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You do the same thing. Yep. You go through the same processes. You ask about someone and show interest in what they do first, and then they turn the tables and show interest in what you do. And from there, you come to some sort of assessment as to whether you can actually go ahead and work together. So it's kind of just like social media networking. It is. It really is, and a lot of people don't uh, don't see it that way. But I'm I'm so excited, so pleased, so I can't even find the words. It's, it's, there comes a time when uh, adjectives just run out. When when we're talking about you, Sarah, you, I think you just used everyone in the book. But um, this is part two of of the fourth podcast in the series. We're going to come back and finish it off with a really cool discussion about going global with Twitter.
around the world in less than 80 days. Part three, the wrap-up. We're talking here with Sarah about traction needs interaction, the idea that it's very, very important to do the work behind the scenes. We're talking about the idea of connections, not followers. Don't get trapped by the numbers. Don't get trapped by the idea that you need to have lots and lots and lots of followers so you can be an important person. Focus on the people that are following you. Interact. Help them first. Do the thing. You know, and, and as a result, Sarah has had some amazing stuff. I want to share just how amazing that stuff is in a, in a section I've coined going global with Twitter around the world, in brackets, in less than, close bracket, 80 days. A little bit of a piss take on that travel analogy that Sarah, in less than 60 days, has basically traversed the globe. Let me just, I want to play this out. She's been interviewed in the UAE. She's interviewed someone in the US. She's interviewed several people in the UK, in Australia. She's been featured in New Zealand. She's got friends in Canada. She's been retweeted in Peru and Israel. This is a true story. And all of this happened because she stayed open to the idea of sharing content, of being a global citizen, of being a helper dude. So tell me what you think about this idea of going global and, and whether or not you even believed it was possible before we started. I look, definitely, when we started, I was not expecting these results at all. If you had have told me that this would happen, I would have told you, hmm, are you trying to tell me something? That's probably what I would have asked. <laughs> I mean, I, as I said, I've worked in the comms PR sector before, so I know how PR works, and results such as these you don't see every day. So, I mean, it's been incredible, and I think it all comes back to the fact that I have taken that next step to, you know, make the effort to find out what people do, have that discussion, and then go back to them and say, hey, can I help you with anything? And more often than not, they've come back and been very receptive and open to it all. And in some circumstances, I've even been approached without actually offering anything. So an example of that was That's Journal, who featured me about this Twitterite podcast as well. So, I mean, in a lot of cases, the people I've been connecting with, I've automatically got the same interests with them. So we're already on the same page, which means generally we've got plenty to work on together. Well, you're really debunking the myth that Twitter is not a waste of time and doesn't lead to real work. I mean, you've had real work as a result of this strategy, haven't you? Absolutely. And I mentioned it before, you never know who other people know. So, I mean, I've also had people that I've been chatting to who have then referred me on to other people because, you know, they think that I could help them in some way. So it's not just, you know, one follower, one follower. One follower could actually mean two or three different people that you can connect to. Mm -hmm. Because once you do establish that relationship with someone and you develop that trust and you get to a point where they know that you're not in it to just sell them something and you don't care about what they do and that you can offer them real value, they're a lot more receptive to actually passing you on to others. Because, mm. I mean, ultimately people want to hang out with people that reflect their own value system. I mean, I love helping, as you know. I mean, the, the amount of stuff that we've achieved in this 60 days even astonishes me. 
I mean, this is the best thing that's ever, ever happened to me in my career because I've got an example of a person that's eager to learn, does the work, open to suggestions, and has got the skill set to deliver when people say, yeah, I'll have one of them. And you've got real work and real referrals in one hour a day. I mean, it does sound like an ad, doesn't it? It's, it should be, I should be on the telly selling some or something, shouldn't I? Maybe on the radio would be a better suggestion to you. Yeah, perfect face for radio. But, uh, but uh, this is the thing. We've, we've got a case study here. We've got an example of how it's working. The reason why I'm playing this out is still there are a lot of people thinking, oh, I don't want to, Keith. I, I think it's a waste of time. And you're saying... It only takes me an hour a day. I fit it in between other activities. I'd only be sitting on a bus anyway. I'm, I'm only waiting at the bank. I'm, I'm doing work when I'm not doing work. You know, it's brilliant. I mean, if, you get, if you're stuck on a commute anyway into the city or you're waiting for a coffee anyway because you like coffee, well, you might as well spend those couple of minutes making a connection and you've got real paid work as a result. That's the key phrase, isn't it? Well, exactly. And you'd be amazed at the people that have actually found me. So I think once you gain people's attention, as long as you're legitimate in what you're doing, and you know, you've obviously got links in your website to prove all of that, but generally I think what's happening is that once I follow someone, they're checking me out and they probably land on either my website or my Huffington Post archive. Mm. Once they've been through that, they know that I'm the real deal. I am actually who I say I am. And from then onwards, it's just about engaging with them, seeing what they're doing, seeing where they're at, and seeing if I can help them in any way. If I can't help them, mm. I'm more than happy to tell them as it is. Yeah. And we're all collecting a database of really funky people that are specialists in their area. I know the best graphic designer in the world, doubtlessly in the world, and he lives in my town. I now know the best copywriter in the world, in the world, and she lives in my town. And so if anyone ever needs those services, I just refer them. And that's what it's about. It's about collecting this bit of a club. But I want, I want to pick up on what, something you just said, just to reiterate. This is part four of a series of podcasts. This is the third one in this series today, but there's been four big chunks of data so far. We've talked a lot about setting up the foundations and you, you alluded to it there and just in case you haven't heard, this is the second, that was in the second podcast. When people do check you out, we've got a couple of minutes before we finish this one up, I just want to reiterate here. When people do check you out, it's important that you've got a bit of a robust structure around that, that you've got a website which is cool and works, especially on a mobile, so they want to know that you're authentic. It'd be lovely if you had a blog with articles about what you do so that people can read a bit of your backstory. And it's important that you've got to have your contact details and all of the other stuff set up. And it sounds to me like you've done that. And as a result, when people contact you, you've got, you've got something to send them to, yeah? Well, exactly. If I didn't have a website to send them to, they'd basically, basically be looking at my Twitter profile, which doesn't have much on it. So I think everybody... Anyone certainly running a business needs a website and, as you said, a website that works, a website that is clear and tells people what you do. I mean, that's the other thing. The number of websites out there that are just confusing or their information overload and you don't know where to look, it's quite yeah. astounding. So I think all you need is really a website that's clear, tells people what you do at a quick glance, and then obviously a blog is really great because people a they love they love they love stories 
And in many ways, your blog only really adds credibility to what you do because you're generally speaking about what you do and taking it to different levels and looking at it in different angles. The other fantastic thing about a blog, and we've chatted a lot about this lately, is that it's fantastic for SEO, which all comes back mm-hmm. to your Google ranking. So people, if people are typing your name or you know your occupation into Google, you've got a better chance of actually being seen if you've got a blog that's being updated regularly. And that in itself is that in itself is a whole mind spin. I actually wouldn't mind setting up the next uh, show on that because I know you're going to be doing quite a lot of writing in the near future about SEO. The, the, what I've been ch- talking about is Twitter and the idea of social media based on the human interaction factor. What Sarah is absolutely brilliant at is writing articles for the web so that if someone types something, because they haven't heard of you yet, and they type in keywords, they can find your material. And that's why it's so important to have a blog. As I said, we alluded to this in the second part of this whole series. But you've been doing a lot more of this blog writing, haven't you? Oh, look, the amount of people who've been asking me about blog writing has been phenomenal. So obviously people are starting to catch on that it's important. A lot of the people that I've been chatting to, they want it to share their stories, but they don't quite understand the added advantage of the SEO side yet. And then once you Mm. explain that to them, they're just really gung-ho about getting it happening and putting in place a structure. And the other thing with blogging, I always tell people it's good to be consistent with days that, you know, people who are hitting your site know that there's a new blog going up there so they know to check so I mean it's it's quite confusing for a person on your website if you're blogging very randomly because they will never know when to expect a new post so there's a bit of and once a week's about right it is and there's also strategy around that blog too so what topics are you going to cover you know what Mm -hmm. kind of voice do you want to come across in that particular blog what day will you post? You know, when are you going to share it with your other social media channels and all that kind of stuff? So, I mean, there's a bit of strategy that goes along with blogging as well. Yeah, it's exactly right. Like, so this is the big chunky one, part four of the whole series now, what we're calling Twitter Right. This is going to become an ebook. I'm very, very excited about this. This is actually going to become an ebook. We're hoping that it's going to come out in uh, September, 1st of September, if not by the 1st of January, because it's a big topic. It's a big, chunky project. But in the meantime, how can people contact you, Sarah, and find out all this fantastic stuff that you've been doing? They can. The best thing to do is to shoot me an email, info at sarahkanata.com.au. I will definitely get back to you. Feel free to just ask for some pointers or anything like that. It doesn't have to be related directly to work. Happy to have a chat to anyone. And what about yourself? How can people contact you? Oh, okay. Oh, well, cool. So, you know, I'm a Twitter dude. So uh, my Twitter handle is at Keith Keller, K-E-I-T-H-K-E-L-L-E-R. I absolutely try to follow back everyone who follows me, and apologies if I haven't. I simply just haven't got to that yet. It's it's a busy time. But the other thing is I have a free, completely free ebook at keithkeller.com.au. Uh, don't forget the AU because I can't get my own name as a .com. I'm working on that. But there's another guy in America who has my name, and he's got the .com. So .com.au, completely free ebook. And I'm very, very excited to tell you that this ebook comes with a set of 10 podcasts, and those 10 podcasts are being turned into blog posts by the one and only 
Sarah Canada. So stay tuned. My blog posts are going to start echoing um, Sarah's voice. And I'm happy to admit this. I am not a writer. So what Sarah does is she listens to my podcasts and then she sums them up in a phrase I called, uh, in a phrase I coined, I talk, you type. And that's what Sarah does. She's so brilliant at that. So if you've got a voice or a message or a, an idea, a podcast, a radio show, but you don't like writing, you've been struggling with that, I really, really plead with you to contact Sarah and get her to write a couple of your articles for you. You'll notice a big difference in the blog quality and also in your SEO factor. And uh, this is not an ad for Sarah Canada, although she's my best friend <laughs> in the world. Um, I'm going to wrap it up now. And next week we're going to come back with a bit more stuff about SEO. I'm pretty sure Sarah maybe even hit 1,500 followers by then. I would have done the social media gig in New Zealand and we'll have more funky stuff to talk about. So we'll talk to you in a few weeks. Any last thoughts, Sarah? Thank you very much. You've given me quite a nice little wrap there. (laughs) (laughs) Well, look, you're doing great stuff. And I, I, I think it's important to give credit where credit's due. You're doing the work. You're getting the results, and we're, we're charting it all out here. And when that book comes out, that book comes out, it's just going to be a gold mine of information. It's going to be sens- it's sensational resource for everyone.